Hey guys, it's Dana DiLorenzo, Kelly from Ash vs. Evil Dead. You're listening to Midwest Monsters. What a cool name. I'm excited. I'm sorry. I picked this topic. I love this movie. That's a scary movie. It's a scary movie. And it still affects me just the same. I cannot put that on. I gotta tell you, something about this movie worked for me. I was like, it rocked. So, I mean, that's kind of, that's debatable. But, I mean, it's a great movie. That, you know, it's my right as a viewer, as somebody who spends my money and time to go watch these films, to have my opinions and be disappointed. But that's what I love about about this group doing this podcast right now is that on so many pages <laughs> we're like right there with each other. But then I mean it, it's it's almost inevitable that uh, you know half the time we're going to go you're out of your mind. You are out of your mind. I'm sorry, but that's <laughs> Welcome to the Midwest Monster Podcast. And now, here are your hosts. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another exciting episode of the Midwest Monsters Podcast. I'm one of your hosts. I'm Grizzly Adder, and I'm joined by Mad Chan, Venomous Vinny, and Hot Toddy. Hey, don't good. you mean voluptuous Vinny? <laughs> Vivacious. Don't you mean violent Vinny? Vincente. Vincente. Vincenzo. Oh, goodness. So we're back for another episode of the Midwest Monsters Podcast. We're doing a monster mash. We do the mash. We don't know what number it is, so Professor will let you know the when he loads it up. Yeah. <laughs> Holla 187 on the motherfucking. Uh, um, so, hey, we've uh, let's go around and say um, what movie you picked and why. So I will begin. And I chose Maniac because I've never seen it. Um, it's a staple piece of merch at all the cons. I see Maniac on everything, and I know uh, that Elijah Wood was in the remake, um, which is which I've heard good things about. I haven't seen it, but we went with is the that original. The remake? <laughs> I thought it was the '86 Mannequin movie. <laughs> Mannequin. So we watched the original with uh, Joe Spinell. So um, yeah, I wanted to see it. All right. Uh, I chose Sometimes They Come Back uh, because I had only seen that recently and I enjoyed it. I'm a sucker for greasers in movies, <laughs> so uh, tied in. I, thought was, I didn't know what platform we'd have to uh, cover this one otherwise, so that's what I chose. You can never tell by his hairdo that he likes <laughs> no. greasers. No, and I actually think Sometimes They Come Back was a sequel to The Outsiders. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm more of a soch. A soch, Yeah. Oh, I chose uh, I chose the Blob, the original Steve McQueen uh, joint. Um, I wanted to see it. I wanted a reason to own it. I had seen it previously, but in passing. So a film that every one of us thought was in black and white until we watched. I, it. Well, all the all the <laughs> yeah. production stills I saw mm-hmm. were in black and white, but yeah, the film's in color, man. It's yeah. nice. Hot toddy. Uh, I picked the Wailing um, mainly because everyone kind of went ape shit over this movie. Uh, it's kind of been on the top of everybody's list for 2016 of horror. Yeah. So been wanting to watch it. And so I picked that one for that reason. Cool. All right. Well, that being said, I believe that Mad Chan elected that he wanted to start with the whaling. 
So, can you give us some details on the whaling? Uh, the whaling, or in Korean, Gok Sang. Uh, 2016, direct, writer-director Hong Jin Na. Uh, starring Young Min Hwang, Du Wan Kwat, Jun Kugamura, and Wu Hee Chun. All right. Good. Good. Todd, do you want to hit him with the spoiler alert for this one? Spoiler alert. It's Korean. <laughs> There's a callback for you, fans. Um, what year did this come out? 16. 2016. Okay. Okay. Uh, Todd, do you want to give the synopsis since it's your film? Sure. Um, so, it's a small Korean town, little village. There's a, uh, a bizarre murder. And they kind of a bumbling couple of police detectives trying to investigate. That's an understatement. Um and they they're not sure if, if somebody's giving these people hallucinogens because it all they, they involve like family members and stuff killing their family and uh not quite sure it's just just bizarre illness that's happening with uh with the victims and the and the killer and uh eventually the uh the main cop's daughter becomes involved in uh in the illness that's going around and uh I don't know where to go from there because it's kind of a. I really wasn't sure what I was getting into in this movie, and, and that's part of why I liked it actually. Yeah, yeah. Likewise. Uh, opening thoughts. Uh, anybody? Opening thoughts. My mine is as I as I started watching it. To, my my feeling for the entire movie is it's a Korean serpent in the rainbow. I can see that a little bit. Yeah, I didn't even think about that for sure. And for and sure. and and going in, um, you know, I'm, I I can't base off Korean films, but just uh. Like Asian horror, I kind of felt like I was gonna. I was expecting The Grudge or The Ring, or like it seems like there's a million of those movies, and I was expecting that. This was completely different, yeah. and, and I really actually enjoyed it because totally. of that. Great, great, Mad Chan. Um, <laughs> the uh, my initial thoughts of this movie were are simple. Um, the subtitles uh, mess with me. Um, just I'm watching this movie and people are talking. And the subtitles are coming up on the screen, but they're also subtitling the things that pop up on the screen in, screen in Korean. Mm. So it's like, oh, who is that? Jamhinga. You know, like names pop up. They're reading things off. You don't know what's going on. And then it felt like someone did really bad English translation on this movie. Mm. It really, like, to me, it, you start right out the gate. It's like, and pardon me, I'm going to be a little crude, but that was the beginning of the movie. Well, fuck shit, damn. Why do that? Go there now. It's like it literally. It's it felt like at least the first part because as you get into the story and people and it starts developing, it gets a lot better. But those whole first few scenes, man, it's like it seemed it's like somebody was in the room just doing bad translation on this. Man. You don't think the grandma really had that filthy of a mouth? I don't think any of them really had that <laughs> filthy of a mouth because it was like a bad SNL skit. They said like one thing and it was like a whole sentence of curse words, you know. And I'm just like, nah. I like that, that the true. cops kept calling each other idiot. <laughs> and every woman was was whore or slut or something. That's a note I made for the first half of the movie. Every time they referred to a woman that wasn't in their family, mm. they they did it with a derogatory word at the end of the sentence. Mm-hmm. That's why I think it was a bad English translation. Yeah, I kind of I kind of feel like that's what they were going with because because when you get to the end, it's like I feel like the town's a little darker than it should be mm. for for those reasons. But it was weird at the beginning when uh, my first thought was like, do they do they say fuck over there? Like, 
truly every culture. I feel like that was an Ameri- American as fuck. Like, America, yeah. <laughs> I feel like every culture and language family has their equivalency of the F-bomb. Surely. Surely. Don't call me Shirley. <laughs> Vincenzo. Uh, this is a movie that I... This is one of the things I like about doing the show, is that this is a movie that if I was going through my Netflix, there's zero, probably zero chance that I would have stopped on this and said, oh shit, I'm going to watch this movie. Um, but because it was an assignment, if you will, for the show, I had to watch it. And as I started, and, and very quickly as I started getting into it, I was like, I'm glad that I had a reason to have to watch this movie. Uh, it's a little, as a horror fan, there's a lot of it that you watch, and especially if it's all American stuff, a lot of it runs together. A lot of it's very similar. So it was nice to have a different flavor for the horror that I was watching. Um, Initial thought, it ran very long. Very long. It was close to three hours. Yeah, it ran very long. Korean films last a long time. Uh, But other than that, uh, (laughs) I I enjoyed this movie. Uh, The ending left me a little flat. After sitting two and a half hours through a movie, the ending left me a little flat. But the journey itself, I really enjoyed. I liked it. I really did. Um, I found myself drawn into this movie within the first 10 minutes Mm -hmm. um, just because of the weird killing and how no one knew what was up. And the guy looked bad that did the killing. And I'm going to try not to sneeze right now, but it's really hard. So, uh, um, no, I thought the movie was beautifully shot. I mean, just every scene where you get like those wide shots, they made, they really made South Korea look beautiful. Um, and so, uh, and I like the way that I like it was well acted. I thought, um, the characters did well. Um, so I enjoyed it. And so uh, immediately, of course, the old preacher man here drawn in from the beginning when they use the, the intro or that, um, the intro is, um, a message from Luke's gospel uh, about Jesus. It's about the risen Christ. It doesn't say it's the risen Christ, but it's Jesus saying, well, how can I be a ghost? Touch me, feel me. Don't you see mm-hmm. that, that I am here? I am present, you know? So I was like, Huh, how is that going to play in? A mantra that they repeat throughout the movie. Yes, it does show up uh, repeatedly because they keep, oh, is that a ghost? Is that a ghost? And uh, um, I, I think I feel like ghosts are pretty mean in Korea. <laughs> they think all these people doing these bad things are ghosts. I mean, here we're just like, oh, that was spooky. We just saw a ghost. But here they're like, no, man, the ghost trying to kill you over here. So, um, well, the ghost was also kind of flesh and blood and, and not, you know. An apparition? Yeah right who was the ghost well well and you know and as as the movie goes you get the the, the mysterious man and the mysterious woman mm-hmm. and uh, I, I believe it's when the the as they refer to him the jap shows up as when the b- bizarreness starts happening right so that's kind of the thing ladies and gentlemen listening there's this guy that shows up he's from <laughs> japan and they call him the jap so uh, I tell like... me tell me that the old in the first time we see the japanese man Tell me he doesn't look like Golem. He's running around <laughs> in his little white bottoms, rummaging through things, yelling, pointing, and scaring. He sneaks up over the ridge, literally oh, like yeah. Golem does to, to Frodo. He looks like the Golem, dude. Well, we see him fishing before that. Like, the movie opens with, like, you mm-hmm. see him fishing. Well, no, I'm talking about this, that first scene where he's rummaging, when the guy falls backwards and he's rummaging yeah. through his stuff, dumping out all oh, his yeah. gear. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's the golem shot. Yeah, it really was. Early on in the movie, uh, I thought that it had a nice... Uh, mix of comedy but you lose that as the there's more gravity to the movie later but in the beginning i was like there's a little bit of comedy involved but it's done just enough like it's not right. overdone like uh 
I know the host kind of gets a little over the top with that. Yeah. Uh, but this I thought was a very, very even mix. But then it quit. I won't say quickly because the movie's two and a half hours long, but yeah, this movie didn't it, do fade, it fades away. Like the, the comedy fades away and it shit gets a lot more serious. But in the beginning, I thought the comedy was mixed yeah. very well. And, and I, uh, I think I enjoyed it more cause I didn't know what to expect other than people were, were just raving about this movie. I totally agree. Because I went in blank. I started slate. thinking like, Oh, we, it's a zombie pick. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, no, it's, it's not. And then, no. It's it's like the Exorcist, and it's like not quite. And then and, oh uh, wait, it's Voodoo. Yeah, and and, and and that's why I was like, I feel like the closest would be Serpent in the Rainbow. And then it almost yeah. twists on you. It's like, well, it's not Voodoo. Yeah, and then it is possession. You know, like well, it's, yeah, yeah, and then I wasn't expecting it's the wild. end of the film at all. Which which quite honestly, I think uh, it's kind of one of those movies that's whatever. And then when it ends, and I'm thinking about it, I'm like, that's that's fucked up, and it could be right out there. But uh. And guys, don't worry. We can spoil this movie for you. And by the time you get to the end of it, you will have forgotten what we said. Right. It's that long. Right. Well, I, I would suggest if you if, if you haven't seen it, you should probably just watch it. It's best not to know what this movie is and just yeah. stick with it and yeah. watch it. Uh, yeah, I agree. Like, I, I would. I mean. I think if somebody told me what it was about and I was expecting. Because it's that was the thing is I'm waiting. The whole movie, you're kind of like, no, it's this movie. And it's that movie. Right. And, and when they start saying he's a ghost, I'm like, he's, he's not a ghost because it's a man. Right. See, I and think you if you did, if we were to talk, which we tried not to, and we definitely, uh, Hot Toddy and I definitely, he tries not to, we try not to talk about these movies beforehand. Well, it happens sometimes. But had you told me, hey man, have you seen The Wailing yet? I I compare it to like a, a Korean serpent in the rainbow. I'd have went in with much different expectations. Mm-hmm. I'd have went in looking for that. And instead, like you said, you get to you get to grow with the movie and figure out what it is on your own. Because mm-hmm. it does take all those different paths. And that was one of my notes. It was like, so is this a possession film? And then at one point I'm like, oh wait, no, is this a zombie film? Are we am I getting it wrong? Like, and then it's got that um I, I, I still I'm still left with like so many questions. <laughs> to be yeah. Honest. yeah. Well, yeah. I got like the shaman. Yeah. So was 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 he with the devil and the the mysterious woman was the helper? Like, well, um, back to what Chad was saying, what <laughs> yeah. man Chad was saying, it kept you guessing the yeah. whole. Yeah. Film. Yeah. yeah, I'm still guessing. I'm yeah, still yeah, guessing. yeah, yeah. It keeps which, you guessing. Which which I like about it, to be mm-hmm. honest. But so, my my fourth note into this movie is <laughs> just this movie is dope. Like that's how quickly I got hooked into this movie. I, I think the the biggest, uh, kind of what Chad said at the beginning, <laughs> I'll say when you first start watching it, which is with any uh, subtitled movie, as soon as you get into it, you don't realize you're reading. Right. But they should have probably um, changed the title screen because they also are dubbing that too. Yeah, dude. Right. That, and it was, when you first start watching first it, it was because I'm like, I'm reading and I'm like, well, who the hell's editor? And I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> They're, that's the cast, right? Because they were they were translating yeah. that too. Um, yeah, that that did mess me up. And no, that's his street name, man. They call him editor. Yeah. <laughs> He's good at chopping. Now that was a. I mean, there, that is stuff at the beginning. And like I said, as you get into the movie, it tone tonally. It, sorry, as you get into the movie tonally, it comes down. But it does, man. There was just like I said, uh, I was watching it with the wife, and we're sitting there like we stopped and rewound and just read some of those lines out loud from the first crime scene. I think maybe not even two, but maybe that first real crime scene and, and through where the point where the lights go out in the police station. Yeah. And some of that, I'm just like, they didn't say that. Like, there's no way that that's what they said, you know, like, because it was like, F this you man, gosh, darn dang. You know I mean? It, but then it just slides into it 
and it gets so much smoother that I just feel like maybe somebody in the beginning was just like they just didn't convey whoever was doing the dubbing just didn't convey what was actually going on in those scenes. Right. Like maybe we don't have a direct translation. I don't know. But like you guys said, as you get into the movie, you really get into the movie. That didn't bother me anymore. And even the the lady thing, you start to realize, oh, that's part of it. It just it was very obvious, you know. Oh, she's a tramp. He calls her a tramp, and then they talk about hoes, and you know, I don't know. Yeah, that bugged me early, you know? but then you just kind of get into it. Yeah. So, um, man, that. So I want to say right now to yeah. anyone listening, if you plan on watching this film, yeah, fast forward now to get to skip what we're getting ready to say because we're going to spoil it. I think we need to talk about it. And that way, if anybody has seen it, they can be like, yeah, you're right. Or no, you're wrong. Um, so skip that and go watch it. But if you don't plan on watching, just listen to us and, and maybe get a little gist here. <clears throat> so um, three, the daughter, oh, <laughs> no, the daughter definitely is overcome by something. Daughter is the scariest thing in this movie. Dude. Great yeah. actress. Yeah. And that's the thing is like, she's the sweetest little girl and then she's not. Yeah. Um, and it's very, it is very reminiscent of The Exorcist, you yep. know. Um, and so they have this shaman who's going to come and work the, the voodoo out of her. And that scene was so intense and so well shot of him dancing around and chanting and stabbing chickens and, oh, things yeah. and sacrificing animals. Oh, bro, when and, he sticks his face in that bucket of blood, oh, it was like, oh, my God, like, come right out of it, dude. Seriously. So good. And and he's like, and at the same time, he's facing off against a, this character they call the Jap, um, because evidently Koreans could be racist and call him a Jap, <laughs> but we can't. So, but anyway, so I'm just using their, this. Their words. Thing, their their words, words. Use your words. Mine. Their words, not mine. So this this Jap character that they, they they're pinning all the bad juju on in the village. Which by, by the way, did you guys recognize him by the way? Because I kept trying to place him, and then I had to look it up. But he's in Kill Bill one and two. Oh yeah. And he was in um. It wasn't Ken Watanabe, was it? It's and no, it's it's June Kukunira or whatever. Okay. I can't say his name either. I'm Hold sorry. On. I got this. But he's he was an audition, which I've never seen, but I've yeah. seen enough I've of it. I've heard good things. About yeah, and, yeah, and Kill Bill one and two. June Kinamura. Yeah. Gotcha. Kinamura. Gotcha. Which, which this is also his first Korean film. Oh, okay. Which is strange because he's done like 10 billion other movies. Right. I think that drumbeat and everything yeah. with that scene makes, it starts to make you uneasy oh, yeah. because of the tempo and all that. And like, yeah, that te- that scene is intense. And it's one, uh, to me, one of the shining moments oh, of yeah. this movie. Absolutely. Especially the cutaways, right? You right. Know, where you go from yes. this... I feel like the, the opening scene with the daughter looks like this little eight-year-old kid. And by the time we get to this point, it looks like a, a like 20-something yeah. woman. Yeah, yeah, she does. She, she's definitely... So, yeah, it was definitely, a, like, on, on the actress's part. Like, I mean, it didn't look like she was overcasted either way. But as soon as the bizarreness starts happening, it looks like a grown woman. Yeah. So, what they what they find is that the Jap, quote-unquote, their words, not mine... Uh, <laughs> Does have weird voodoo shit Not that in his there's house. Nothing wrong with that. Weird voodoo shit in his house, and they like. And they find her shoe. And they find her shoe. And, and other victims' pictures. Yeah. And oh, all pictures those pictures. Victims oh, yeah. And, and weird animal things and stuff like that. And they're like, okay, so he is a bad shaman. We're gonna bring in the good shaman. And so during this whole hexing scene, it's like they're having a battle. Yeah. Like the 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 Jap devil guy is at his hut. Uh, doing his little ceremony with just his little drum, and it's juxtaposed against yep. this giant elaborate hexing scene of getting rid of everything. 
and it's just like a battle back and forth. And Dude, I put a note. And you on. don't you don't know who's getting hurt because um, the our perceived bad guy, the Jap, is acting hurt, and the, but the little girl is also acting hurt. So we don't know who's hurting who and who's getting hurt and anything, and it's just confusing. And people are shouting in Korean, and you're scared and you're anxious. That's actually my note. It says I like the duality of the two rituals. The shaman, the good shaman, puts on a big display. He has big sets, big fires. People quote helping unquote, him. Good shaman. Well, good shaman. Quote yeah. unquote, good shaman. And uh, then the ghost, quote unquote, the Jap. I call him. I put him as the ghost okay. in my notes because that's how they refer to him. Then the ghost sits in a room by himself. They're both sacrificing the chickens at will one of them's his is hung because he's in a room by himself other people are feeding the other guy it's the same thing and then there's a part of the ritual where the quote-unquote good shaman cuts a totem down at the at the knees yeah. and then proceeds to van helsing like drive stakes into yeah. it and we get to see the ghost i keep doing the quotation mark says he keep then we get to see the ghost in physical pain but like you said the little girls also yeah. In physical pain, so we don't know what's going on. I mean, that was a that was an awesome scene. Which I think I think it. And again, there's so many questions, and then they go after him, and then when they hit him, oh, and throw man. him over the side, and then it's like, you didn't do nothing. Yeah, homeboys. I put it on there. The homeboys, homeboy is harder to kill than Steven Seagal's career, man. <laughs> Dude is just hanging on for life. Well, and that's one point I wanted to make of why the movie was so long is that they stay in scenes for so long. Yeah. They stay in that uh, exorcism hexing scene for so long to make you feel it. Yeah. They stay in that hunt for the ghost where they fight off the dead man. And then they, you know, they're coming down from the mountain and they're all exhausted. And then they hit him and then they throw him over the mountain. Like they stay in. I mean, well, that's then, a 20 then, minute scene. And then that's the mysterious woman's on the hill watching. And yeah, which the mysterious woman, like, that was a great callback because you see her in the beginning. She's the woman throwing rocks at, yep. the, at the hanging body. Exactly. And it's just a great callback because so, you forget about so her. My question and is, she pops up. The shaman shows up. And takes the cop into the house. Yeah, so, yeah. Because, you know, they warn, they warn that the mysterious woman is evil. Yeah. And, but then the shaman shows up and starts, like, viciously vomiting because, oh, because of the mysterious a... woman. And I'm like, so was she good? <laughs> and trying to fight off the evil, like it was a vomit scene reminiscent of Team America World Police. <laughs> when the puppet lays there and just keeps barfing, that's what the shaman does in this. It's unreal. It was so good. Uh, Vinny, you got anything to add right now? Where we're at? Well, no, nah, man. Like well, I don't know, at, at this, No, at this point in the movie, I was just kind of uh, checked out. No, I was <laughs> I was so invested in it that like you didn't take notes. Take notes. I didn't yeah. take no, any I, notes. Yeah, I, get you, I like I, get you. I I was com so completely enthralled in what was happening in the movie that yeah I totally forgot the fact that I should probably be taking notes. I was just sitting there wide eyed like holy shit. You know what I mean? Like that that was my pure reaction was just like holy shit. And then and, and at that point in my head I'm even more going. God, this movie is so good, and like I never would have watched it well, had even, I not been prompted. Even to. even though we're complaining of the running time too, I never felt like it was. No, I never no. felt like it was that long. Now, maybe I, toward the beginning. Yeah, I bit. watched this in two parts. Well, I I, 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 I was not in out. its entirety, but I had to leave the house, and I was leaving toward the end, and I didn't want to leave because. I'm like, what the hell is going on? And I didn't want to stop watching because it was getting toward. Well, I, and I'm the thing about the movie is, is it just kept you, you. We're never certain about anything. Like the minute you were like, "Oh, okay, so this is who's the bad guy," and then all of a sudden, like, "Oh, wait, shit, what?" 
Like it kept so we you got guessing. A, we got to wrap up. We're we're uh, running a long time on this, and I it's a oh, it's a long movie. So, so we get we get to the cave, <laughs> and, and and to me this, this is the kind of shit like a. No, before you get to the cave, talk about why we're confused. By the way, why, why zombie scenes scary as shit. By yeah, the way. why we don't know who's who. Why I feel like we're kind of led on the we're we're misled. The, sure, think that the much. ghost woman is bad. Yeah. Because the shaman who started well, because the shaman's good. A shaman's good. Right. We think supposedly shaka good. Well, and and you know, I, I think the part that I started clicking is when the shaman says, "The ghost is a shaman like me," and I'm like, "Oh shit," because they keep telling him, uh, keep mis misdirecting him one way, and uh, it's just at that point I think I started clicking like you're you you need to go home. Then comes the most emotional investing part of this whole movie. You've got the young priest in the cave. Yeah. Oh, yes. you've got the shaman in the car and you've got the ghost woman outside the house with the father. And you don't know who to trust, who to believe, who's good, who's bad. And that lasts for 30 yes. minutes. Yes. And the cut, they cut it. Like that's the brilliance of the filmmaking in this. They cut at the exact right time for throughout hours. that whole scene. Something happens in the cave and right after it happens, before you get that, that sigh of relief before you can take that breath, we cut back to the woman and the man and the cop. And he's sitting there and he's like, well, who are you? What? She's like, all this will come in time. And then we cut. We cut to the little girl in the house sitting on the floor eating food. And she's sitting there and then she looks up and glances at a knife. And then we cut directly back to the cave. And the guy pulls up a camera and starts to, I mean, everything is cut perfectly in that last segment. Dude. The acting in this movie is 10 times better than 90% of American horror. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. The, the, so you want to talk about the cave? The, the cave for uh -huh. e even as you're watching it, I wasn't expecting that. And um, for me personally, like because we get to a point that we think the Jap is dead. Yeah. Yep. That the shaman is the good guy. Yep. And the ghost girl is the bad guy. Yeah. Yep. So well, and, and and we're in the cave, and we're we're with the the Jap or the ghost. And as he starts talking, you realize he's not a ghost, really. He's he's the devil. And even as he's talking about it, I still wasn't like, no. And as he kept transforming, and th these are the movies that creep up on me. I'm not so much scared of uh, and somebody in your face with the priest in the cave with him is a Catholic priest. Yeah, it was, you know, with the priest. Um, it reminded me of, like, um, Viggo Mortensen and Prophecy, who to me is a terrifying devil. Yeah. But, um, yeah. To me, the devil of, like, I'm waiting for you in the dark, or I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get you when you don't expect it. To me, that's what's scary. Not, well, that not horns and a pitchfork. But oh, as, he, as he transformed... It's the everyday devil. Yeah. So by the time all this happened and the movie ended, that's all I could think about was like, yeah, I'm fucked. Well, uh, Vinny Dude. just talked about the acting. I'll just throw this in about that that scene, man. He's just like, he's like, he's like, come to me. Show me your true form. He's like, well, who do you think I am? Just call, Who do you think I am? He's like, you're the devil. Are you the devil? Tell me, are you the devil? He's like, you already said it. I mean, just not, yes, I'm the devil. He's like, you already said it. You already said who I am. So it's like, I am, it's and almost like I am what you want me to be. He's the devil. I am what you want me to be. And what is the Luke's. devil quoting? Huh? That Luke's Luke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Beginning. Touch my hand. Yeah. Touch my hand. How can I be a ghost? Do you say I'm a ghost? How can you say I'm yeah. a ghost? Touch me. And that's what I was talking about the very, when we first started talking yeah. about this, it comes back full circle. Man. Yes. And then we find out that, indeed, who we thought was the good shaman was working with the devil yep. all along and taking photographs because yep. he gets out and takes photographs of the little girl's murder scene. Yeah. Cause the little girl does murder the family. Taking oh, us back to the beginning, oh, drawing it all in. Oh man. That... And, and we, we never hear from the ghost again. Dude, that the scene... ghost was the good person. 
trying to tell him, don't go back. Don't go back. Please don't go back. Stay yeah. here. I've already set it up. Wait Let's till go. the three roosters crow. Every, th- Another everything biblical will be... reference. Right. The yeah. three roosters crowing with Peter. Yeah. The crucifixion. Yeah. She, and, and it has those dark, it, not dark, it has those seated roots in beliefs. Yeah. And if you don't know about them or you're not as in tune to them, you're more in tune than I am. Mm-hmm. But I still got references. Yeah, and man. that really played out well. I liked it. Man. Yeah. Final thoughts. Uh, final thoughts. Man, um, that's my final thought. Uh, <laughs> literally, I, I made this comment earlier. I'm not joking. It took me five hours to get through this two and a half hour movie. The first part of the movie wasn't as intriguing, but the last, I want to say two thirds of this movie run flawlessly. Yeah. My final thought after watching it, I I, I kind of did it in two parts too because I didn't have a choice, <laughs> but um, I'm ready to watch it again. Now that I know what it is, I'm excited to watch it again. Yeah, it, would, it, would, it would be an interesting yeah. watch the second yeah. time around. I will agree with you. Yeah, cause now that you know a little bit of what it is, to watch it a second time, I agree with you. That I, I think a second watch definitely. And, and I, can, I can see why it's highly rated from a lot of the people. Because this came out, I think, December of 2016. And so just like I just started seeing everybody's feeds bombarded with how great this movie is. I can see I've already recommended it, it to really people. Well. Oh, yeah. I, I really like this movie. Nice, nice. Okay, any other last thoughts? No, my so, only la- my uh, last note is the ending is fucked. That's oh, dude, said. it's so <laughs> as we all are. Yeah. Oh, good, good film. I really enjoyed yes. it. So thanks for picking that, Toddy. All right, I believe that we said next we're going to do sometimes we sometimes we come back. No, yeah, sometimes we come back. That's the porn uh, movie. Sometimes, sometimes they come back. Mad cheesy. Uh, sometimes they come back. Nineteen ninety one director, um, one of our favorites, Tom McLaughlin. Um, direct, uh, written by Lawrence Connor and Mark Rosenthal, based on a short story by Stephen King, starring Tim Matheson, Brooke Adams, William Sanderson, Tasia Valenza, and one of my personal favorites of all time, Robert Russler. Oh yeah, this is the movie I know Robert Russler from without knowing that I knew Robert Russler from. I'd seen this movie several times as a kid. Love this movie. When I met Robert Russler, it was Freddy. It was part two. You know, yeah, and then watched it again with Hot Toddy, and I was like, "That is Robert Russler." I knew, it. I just knew it because I always remember the look on that dude's face when he flips out the knife, everything, and looking at Russell. I was like, "That's got to be him." He needs to own this movie more than he does. Well, now I didn't realize until I started doing a little looking into that. Was this not a TV movie? It, no, it, it, it was made for CBS. Okay, yeah, um, surprising. Yeah, that surprised well, me after. And 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 I, and I I even asked uh I I asked the professor. I was kind of confused why this was a TV movie because it's not it's not a four hour movie. Right. It could have been theatrical. Right. Yeah. Oh, and I thought it was yeah. like it had none of the of course, I guess uh, the Stephen King products are a little bit different when it comes to television movies. Usually you can tell a television movie it lacks in quality. This absolutely could have been a theatrical oh, release. Seriously? I'm with yeah. you. Like, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, synopsis. Uh, Vincenzo, go ahead. Uh. I don't know, man. It's like I said earlier. I I, I I always like the 50s, 60s greaser stuff in movies, and then you marry it in with the horror stuff. Uh, my favorite Stephen King movie is Christine. Uh, so this has... Oh, Christine's in here. There's a little... <laughs> yeah, there's a little bit of similarities. Christine's by me. The Shining? The yeah. opening by itself oh. is very shiny. It's a Stephen King staple. Oh, yes. it definitely is. Yes. It's like they wrapped all Stephen King movies up oh, yeah. in this. Yeah. yeah, yeah. A little bit of It. Again, oh, yeah. again, Black another Bugs. movie that you know, I just I hadn't seen it. it I flipping through my on demand stuff. Uh, I saw it was there, and I was like, "Well, I know the I know that, and I've met Robert Russler." You know, and it's like, "Okay, I'll give this a whirl." And then I watched it, and I was like, 
I was like, pretty good, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. like I, and then that's one of them I put in the notes, like, well, next time we do a mash, I think I'm going to throw that one out there. Um, I thought it was a very shining open. You've got the, the guy with the new job. He's moving his family. Like it's very shining in the beginning right, as right. far as that goes. Oh, could you give us the synopsis? <laughs> I, I wouldn't go say anything. I, wouldn't go say, I said synopsis, and he's like, "Oh, I love this movie. I was watching uh, TV at the house." So, so basically, uh, you, have, you, you, you have a teacher, uh, a guy who was a teacher in the inner city. Uh, he's lost his job uh, for behavioral issues. Uh, he's now moving back to his hometown. Tell me. It's very, it's very grisly. <laughs> he's he's moving back to his hometown. Uh, that that's full of some bad memories because uh, his brother was murdered in that area, and as he is teaching in this new area, all of a sudden, people the the people involved with the murdering of his brother, who had died in an accident, are suddenly showing up again. And they, 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 and they appear yeah, in his yeah. class after each uh, after a student has, has died. One, yeah, one right. has to die for one to return. In. So we already got your uh, your your gushing, <laughs> your gushing opening. Thoughts. I love the movie. Oh. Matt, opening thoughts. Oh, I, I already told you mine. Like I yeah. I knew I knew this movie. I'd seen this movie several times. Um, okay. I like the movie. Todd, opening thoughts. Um, I mean, it, I seen it as it came out. So um, just rewatching it. I, it's Stephen King staple. Mm-hmm. I put that. Um, there, there seems Stephen King has a lot of uh, movies that have the narration. Mm-hmm. So like Stand by Me and yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, like like if they're not a writer, they're usually like a teacher or something. Like Misery. Um, there's a dead body by the train tracks. Fifties <laughs> uh, music. There's a the dead past, kid. Yeah, a kid Always gets a killed. George, Always George, a yeah, kid like, killed. A dead kid. Uh, yeah, a dead kid. Um, classic car and the past comes back to haunt us. That's um, a Stephen King. Uh, that's a formula. This, I mean, I think this is a textbook. If you said, if someone said, show me a textbook Stephen King movie. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Because Definitely. this hits all the marks. Yeah. All the marks. And like he just pointed them all out. Like you, we've said that we had the shining stuff with the beginning. We have the car because the car plays an important role in this. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have the dead brother, a la Georgie. We play we play the movie half in flashbacks, a la it. Or even um, Stand by Me again, where the older he right. idolized his older yeah. brother. Well, not only that, and the period. The tra- well, yeah. the train tracks. Yeah, and the period. Yeah, yeah. yeah. right. Period time. Well, Spo- spoiler alert: Stand by Me is Stephen King. If you didn't know, <laughs> and it's called The Body, not Stand by Me. If you're looking to read it. Well, boys, I'll be the odd man out here. This movie is just okay to me. Just okay. Um, and I think it's because of that. Because it was more of a greatest hits album right. instead of a straight through <laughs> standalone. It just, it, you know, I was like, oh, I've seen that before. I've seen that. This is my first time watching it. This right was on. my first time watching So I don't have nostalgia about it. Right. Um, so, and, and of course, you know, the actors, I know. I have, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Good call. Yep. Good call. Yep. This is that. So, but. Overall, I was just like, eh, it's okay. It, I mean, I don't think it's Stephen King's best, but, no. it's, but it's really good, and it's by no means his yes. worst. No. Right. It's not even the worst of his TV I had movies. more respect for it after I found out it was made for television. Yeah. And that's the thing. I, I'm on record. I'm not I'm not saying this. Do, this is not a bad movie. Do, do you, are you guys aware? Because uh, we were talking about this movie yesterday in the car. The professor did not know that there's two sequels. Oh yeah. yeah, and I've only watched the trailers, and they both look fucking uh, no, terrible. No, no, I've I've seen them. I don't remember two that well. I just remember there was an Arquette, which is Alexis. Yes, mm-hmm. I didn't realize that Hillary Swank was in it because she was nobody when I watched mm-hmm. it. Um, one of 
trying to think. That, oh, Michael Gross. What are they yeah. called? Uh, sequel is Sometimes They Come Back for More. The third one is Sometimes They Come Back Again. That one I remember liking more. It reminded me of the thing where they're like... It's in, very much like the they're, thing. They're like in an in a isolated winter place. And uh, I think a gateway to hell opens. That's all I can remember. Okay. And then also, um, the short story is a Night Shift collection of uh, Stephen King. Gotcha. Okay. So another short story that's made into 30 films, but can we talk about how much of a badass wrestler is in this movie? I'm sorry. Like I love Robert. I think Robert Wrestler to me, Robert Wrestler and the, the brother that died to me are the two highlights of this. movie. Well, the casting I think of the, of the greasers is great. Oh, definitely. The the three actors for those greasers are. Well, and I love the, I love the fourth, the fourth dude that gets away too. I thought that was, I thought that was Mueller. Yeah. That was probably the little bit of a twist was the one that ran away. And then, <laughs> if I were teaching a class on Stephen King films, not books, films, right. this would be the first one I'd show. I don't know. It, it, it had everything but Cujo. Yeah, right. <laughs> I would say, let's start with this. And when my students are like, man, that was a good movie, I really enjoyed them. I go, okay, now let's, let's take pieces mm-hmm. of that movie and make them into full length films. Um, that's all I got to say. You can that. tell that Stephen King grew up a nerd by the way he portrays jocks. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Like, that was one that really stuck out to me. Kind of like, like, is it, is it you, that hates, uh, like, like, bankers? You can tell, like, like every, the yeah. bad guy is, like, a jock yes. or... Well, you guys love this film. Keep talking about can, it. Uh, oh, okay. Well, I, I, we were... You always run these things, so go ahead. Can uh, the, the kid who played young Jimmy look anything less like tim matheson <laughs> i mean seriously who is casting this fucking movie oh, as far as that goes right on um we find out that the i one thing i really like we find out that the the teacher had an incident in chicago mm-hmm. where he lost his temper he hurt a student and then that they play heavily on that that's a, yeah. that's a tone that keeps yeah, coming every, back yeah, every time right, right. he's like upset and go sit down you're you're out of hand exactly so that yeah. always comes back and that's a la like a like Vinny was talking about, that's The Shining, you know, because Jack yeah. Jack was an alcoholic who right. hurt his son one time when he was drinking. So mm-hmm. now every time he can't have a drink because he may hurt Danny again. Right. So I mean, it's kind of neat, man. Um, I I liked all the guys. I thought, like you said, I thought all the greasers were good. I okay. really did. I I liked the mixture of everything that was going on in the movie. Like the flashbacks weren't too much. We got to see enough of the story at the right times. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it really was. It was just. It was just a. a I don't want to say it wasn't it wasn't the best film. No. It wasn't a bad film. It was just a solid film. I think all the way through that. it was a solid. I'll give yeah. you that. I think two of my highlights are, are number one, I think the car is an important part. Yeah. Yes. Because the car was scary. Well, and I had the flames shooting out yeah. the back when it's driving, like yeah. Yeah, and, and, and then uh, you know, they're kind of uh all attractive little greaser dudes. I mean when they when they change to, to, to their natural form. Like, yeah. I thought that was really well done. The, it was good makeup. The makeup is fantastic. Oh, yeah. and, and again, like I say, then finding out we're, that it's made for television is like, holy again, shit, that makeup. We need good. to, again, note, it's not just made for TV, but it was made for CBS. CBS really didn't take a lot of risks yeah. you know, back in the day. Murder, She Wrote. Well, they yeah. show us these Because cool, this was, what, 1991? This is right before the Golden Age. And that, right. to me, that was appropriate for CBS. Yeah. Well, we get to see the really cool makeup effects, you know, where they're all in the car. He's like, go ahead, you turn. He's like, no, show it. Oh, I'll do it. You know, yeah. you get to see that really cool effect. And then you have a really cheesy effect of them throwing body parts out the car, which further lets <laughs> you know it's a made for TV movie. Yeah. You know, like, and, and it didn't take anybody out of it, but you get to see these badass facial I, pieces. I, that I, they I did. feel like if it, if it was theatrical, 
it would be even more of a Stephen King staple because I think we would have got bigger songs. Because again, you know, songs are expensive. Right. Because, you sure, know, your yeah, classics. Sure. Um, I didn't realize. Even more ever, needle drops. I never realized ever that you know I never thought of it, but even writing a book and Stephen King loves to reference music. That I didn't realize till me uh, we we saw him speak that, you know, there's some songs that he couldn't use because this person wants you to pay millions of dollars to put their lyrics in your book. Yeah. Which is crazy to me because yeah, uh, so I I feel like if it was a if it was an a title theatrical film, like Misery came out the same year ninety right before it, right. I feel like we would had you know more popular music, um, it would have just been a little bit better. The movie though for itself though I think is is really well done and good. And I think it still holds up. I mean, it's I you think can it watch does it today. Oh, yeah, I it, think it, it definitely too. holds up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think the the reveal of you know they all every time the new greaser shows up in the class that I just transferred in from Milford and then when you Milford, finally get the yeah. reveal of oh, yeah, what was, Milford oh, is yeah. like that spoiler yeah. it's the cemetery right and, and you, they were they were vicious to the kid like it wasn't it wasn't TV killings either no like it was no, the no. the girl from the rafter like that was pretty vicious yeah, yeah. they were sick man and it, so for made for TV I feel like they they really again made for TV and CBS. They really push the limits on this one. This is North. He just came up from down south, and he's going to take your seat in class. The only thing away. that I that I questioned was they never explained why, back in like the '60s, that the family abandoned the house. What happened to them that terrorized them so bad that they just abandoned the childhood home? Right on. Right. Because the guys were already dead. Right. So what? What terrorized them to to the point where the parents? I rushed think the out only thing that I ever, the only home. thing I ever left with that with was the fact that it was hard. They lost a son. It's too much. Yeah, yeah. yeah like yeah. it's like we I lost agree. a son. It's a small town. We lost a son here. You have to look people in the face every day. And I know that's nothing that's said. Right. It may be said in the book, but I mean, I just always took it as like. Yeah, well, I I couldn't live there. I, I think you I know think, something that terrifying. You come back for a visit, or you see a grave or whatever, but yeah. you don't. Some people, there. some people can't. And I, I watched this with it. Matt Chan, and I because yeah. the twenty-seven year mark is a weird, you know, that's not something we celebrate. But Chad was saying, like, is there something with twenty-seven? Yeah, or yeah. Year to, or? That's a that's a Stephen King thing. Because it wasn't man. like a ten-year anniversary, and then they come back, mm-hmm. right? And and I get, I think the biggest part was he returned to town is probably what started right. up. But, right. but it's twenty-seven years, like in it, every twenty-seven years, like well, he has you, a. You know about twenty-seven with celebrities, right? Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, but that that's the thing. Like, Fill me in. Uh, Jimi Hendrix, Jimi Hendrix, Janis Joplin, Jim Morrison, okay. Kurt Cobain, yeah, all twenty-seven. Yeah. When I died. Well, I know that's, but that's the, and that's what the Stephen King preys on. You know, like yeah. he uses that number repeatedly, mm-hmm. not only for addresses and things, but like we said, 27, 27 years between time periods that we age 27 years. I mean, it's a, it's a Stephen King thing. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was interesting because I'm, well, just real, real brief. I'm listening to, um, I like my books on CD. I listen to them in the car when we travel and I'd got it on audiobook. And, um, and let's take a second here to say this. If you ever check out books, listen to Audible. They're paying for this web, this podcast. <laughs> no, they're not. No, they're not. I and I, and, but that is where I downloaded it. Watch everything you can let us know. No, but seriously, and it's just, um, we get to see you hear more because uh, the wife reads a lot of King. You know, we have a lot of King. And, mm-hmm. and Hot Toddy reads a lot. And I know you read a lot. And it's just, that's the number that keeps popping up. So if I ever got that one-on-one conversation and be like, all right, bro, what is it with 27? You know, and that, that would be my thing. Yeah. Other than that, like I said, holds up. 
my final thought is holds up. I'd watch it again. I will watch it again. And uh, I suggest you guys do the same. Right on. I, I can't. This is not a bad movie, so I'm not going to tell you not to watch it. I think it's good, but it's just it's not, I won't watch it again. But um, yeah, it is what it is. Closing thoughts. I, I, I would recommend it to definitely Stephen King fans. Um, re, this would probably be a really good jumping in movie if, yeah, if you're sure. coming into horror. I agree with that. Um, yeah. There's a lot, of, not just Stephen King. There's a lot of horror staples in this film, um, and it's not it's not overly violent because it's. It, it is tame because it was made for TV. Um, and I know they love to remake movies. This would probably be an awesome remake down the road, I, I would say. Right on. Like if they if they yeah, did sure. the, the It treatment where it's going to be theatrical and a different take on it. Yeah. All right. Wrapping up. Sometimes they come back. Moving into, I believe we said our next one was going to be Maniac. Film that I chose, Mad Chance. Maniac, 1980, directed by William Lustig, written by C.A. Rosenberg and Joe Spinell himself, starring Joe Spinell in our title track of Frank Zito, and uh, Carolyn Monroe, Abigail Clayton, and the one and only Tom Savini. Oh, man. So Maniac is, uh, I'll give you a synopsis, then we'll do opening thoughts. Maniac um, is a weird guy living in New York City. Um, with mannequins in his apartment who goes out and kills and brings parts of his kills back to the mannequins. He's got a mother complex. We've never seen that in a horror film before. Um, and yeah, that's, that's where we start. He, he is. I think he is again, loosely based off Ed Gein. Okay. So, I mean, there's definitely a lot of psycho and which is Ed Gein as well. Right. Right. A lot of Psycho, Little Jason. Little Texas Chainsaw. Little Texas Chainsaw. Yeah. Yeah, opening thoughts on Maniac. Hot toddy. Um, I, I saw this originally. Um, I think uh, Anchor Bay released it onto VHS back in the day. I've, I've heard, again, like you said, it's it's kind of one of those. The name always comes up. Oh, yeah. It's everywhere. So I watched the movie. The biggest two things for me, which I'm sure we'll talk more about, that I always – Stick with me is Savini getting his head blown off. <laughs> and then as I'm watching it, the mannequin scene terrified the shit out of me because I it's not something I expected. Yeah. Um rewatching it, the grittiness. There's movies that you watched uh I feel like a real gritty movie to me, it almost seems like you're watching real life. Mm-hmm. Um especially yeah. back then before reality reality TV wasn't something normal. Um the other movie that I think of that reminds me of this is Henry. And yeah. both disturbing. Both are much. disturbing movies to watch. Yeah. Very And sad. I like both movies, but they're not something I'm they're they're almost too realistic that I don't bring them down to watch a lot. Totally. Totally. That's it. Uh love this film. Watch it with Hot Toddy. Um uh, we had seen it before we talked about that. We had watched it before. Um uh, it's, it's great, man. It's got it's good old fashioned Tom Savini effects, and we know when Tom Savini does effects, he does he goes real with them. But everything in this movie puts you in that. Joe Spinell is not a he's not a slouch. This is 1980. He's already been in Academy Award winning films. Mm-hmm. He was in The Godfather, The Godfather, uh, The Godfather, The Godfather Two, Rocky. I mean, Joe Spinell is that guy. Yeah, he's, he's been in all. He wasn't these begging movies. for a role. No, not at all. But he wrote himself. And he's Sylvester Stallone's best friend. Right, he wrote himself this role. Yeah, and he did that well. I mean, he's scary as hell. 
And it, the realism of this movie is what I think is so scary about Because when you're choking a hooker, that's what it looks like. <laughs> I've seen it in videos. I'm just, no, I'm for real. The, I mean, it, there's no shying away. Like certain scenes with the knife cuts and the, for actual scenes, you get the cutaways. But when he's in, we stay in that moment. Mm -hmm. We stay on his scary face. I mean, that's what makes this movie so disturbing is you stay in the moment with him. And like Hot Toddy pointed out when we were watching it, it's so effective because we don't leave the killer. Yeah. We stay with him and in his mind. Yeah, this follow him. This is we don't his cut perspective, to else. which I think is why you feel disgusted when you watch these movies. Yeah, right. Because because it's, it's not like the him. it's not Michael Myers where you're the you're the chick with big titties. You're the killer, right? Yeah. And it's it's not. We it's, don't like to be there. Yeah, you don't. You don't. You feel dirty. I needed a shower. Vincent, uh, I had not seen this movie before. This is one that had kind of flown under the radar for me. Uh, so I watched this one and I was pleased in the immediately. When I immediately saw, oh, well, there's no mystery. We already know who the killer is. <laughs> like we're we're seeing this. It wasn't just a. It wasn't another Halloween one. That, that's probably I a guess. good take too, because in eighty one or eighty eighty one, that was a uh, the big that started taking off was the killer in a mask. We don't know who it is. Yes, because of Halloween. Yeah. Uh, so I was immediately. I'm like, oh, this is going to be something. What's different. this Halloween movie? It's, <laughs> it's like this isn't just going to be some slasher movie you know this is this is something different okay uh so uh i really enjoyed it i really enjoyed it i didn't know what to expect out of it uh and like i say that was a relief very early in to see oh we're taking a different angle on this it's not just going to be an 80s slasher and a mask like this is more serial killer this feels more real uh even him going back to his apartment with with the stapling of the scalps of these prostitutes to it to his mannequin, yeah. like this feels a lot more real. He's not the boy next door either. Like he's actually how uh, Norman Bates is described in the book. Yes, yes. Oh, yeah. he's he's yeah. yeah, yeah, he's kind of Yeah, yeah. He's he wasn't the the clean cut boy next door. Yeah, he's a big overweight. And the other thing guy. for me when I knew it was going to happen, I was like, we have two kills. Two and a half minutes into this movie, <laughs> I was like, "This is going to be a motherfucker." All right, I'm set. Yeah, yeah no. Opening thoughts for me: This is my first time, as I said. Um, I I liked it. I, I wasn't sure that I would like it. Um, I'd say I definitely like it more than Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer. Why not? Um, for sure. Uh, but the ending really sealed this for me. But as I watched it, I was like, "Man, this is dirty." Grimy, gritty New York, and I, and that's one thing that did pull me in because I love it. Because you know, I went to New York three years, no, two years ago for the first time. Oh, look, look at Mr. Big City <laughs> throwing his weight around. And I'm getting ready to go back to perform a wedding, but um, I went two years ago for the first time, and New York is Disneyland now. Giuliani cleaned it up after September 11th. Everybody wanted to come together and be friends again, and like, um, so like New York is Disney now. North 42nd Street. Yeah, not not the way this, man. This is the New York that I grew up being like, New York is disgusting. It's terrifying. There's rats and yeah, crackheads. Right, and exactly. You don't get to hear that. Jason's in the alley. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I enjoyed watching this film. Um, so just jumping in, we talked about how grungy it is. I love the soundtrack to this yes. movie. It's unsettling. I love the noises that he makes throughout oh, the film. Dude. Oh, that was brought up a lot when we oh. watched it. it was yeah. Uh, he's just Chad. Chad Con he's like, I think I'm more disturbed because you hear him yeah. like. Uh. Yeah. 
I was freaked out genuinely. By just based that. on Todd's reaction, I'm just gonna start doing it when we hang out. When we sit at dinner, I'll be no. like, mm. uh, please no. <laughs> hey, I gotta bring up something, man. They did a great job building suspense in that bathroom. Oh my gosh. That yes, bath, I, would, I put that dude like literally I would have sprung that so many so much quicker. And that's why I'm not a filmmaker. They they held that bathroom scene as long as they could. Oh man. And you're the by tension. the end of it, you're holding your breath. Like, man, when is he coming? You know he's coming. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah, so good. Man. Other uh other I, I think an inappropriate thought I had while we watched it. Was I was like, I just can't get past the like. I think it's a Facebook meme that's like when you barter with a, a a hooker and you're gonna kill him anyways, because <laughs> he's totally like trying to undercut her costs. I'm like, you're gonna kill her. I love. Just it. give her her money. You're gonna get your money back. He said that. I laughed so hard. It's like when you're bartering with a hooker, no, you're gonna kill her. Five. And like... and uh, they they instantly pinned that they had a serial killer, and I was like, other than I guess the the few couples, because I'm sure like the girl in the bathroom, it took a while to find or whatever. Right, but he killed everybody differently. Right, that's so always like typically a serial killer. It kills... was the same mo. Some of the stuff was a little reminiscent of the Zodiac killer. Yeah, did I, you get the Zodiac? I have right, right. the shooting. Well, the I, I feel like well, obviously Zodiac was inspired by a true story. But I said uh, just, <laughs> just and, and most of these are I, I put film wise though. Shut up. <laughs> but uh, Henry and Rampage Seven Zodiac. I feel like this is kind of the movie that started it. To be honest. Because I, I, I felt like without Maniac, every movie would have been the boy next door, pretty boy, playing the serial killer. And like all those movies I just named, were they were gritty. They weren't. Yeah. They weren't. One of my notes yeah, yeah. that I text <laughs> to Grizzly was, uh, this motherfucker looks like Tony Clifton. <laughs> <laughs> or, <Hey>. or yeah. <laughs> which by the way, or the lawyer from Fear and Loathing a lot. <laughs> Yeah, uh, watch oh, me was, do my thing. What was his name? Raul. <laughs> yeah, the lawyer. Yeah. Um, anyway, so yeah, that's great. It's playing on that Joe Spinell thing about looking like that. Uh, a, what about how he, for as gross and scummy as he was, cleaned up well. Like, <laughs> you know. Oh, that was. I think my favorite parts when he he goes American Psycho and it's just like. Um, I'm looking at the models. Yeah, right. Right. And Dude. he's like, oh, this is a great art piece. Uh, let me tell you about the, my... He, he does the greatest thing. She leans in and kisses him on the cheek, and we were watching it. And <laughs> he, he just walks off. off her kiss. Like, the, he, she's taking the photos. They come over, they talk, and she kisses him on the cheek, and he's sitting there talking. He's like... He's let's just little let's thing, talk dude. about the most unrealistic part of this film. Not the murders, not the mannequins, what? not anything. But he got a date with that girl. Oh. Yeah, I, that's what I thought the entire time. <laughs> the, the most unbelievable. I said I, it took me out of the film. I was done. I was over it. He was like, "You want to go see a motion picture?" Yeah, I'll be there in fifteen minutes. And she's like, "Okay." Like, I was like, "This isn't real." There are two nurses that walk by, and I thought this nurse looks familiar. Is that who I think it is? And I looked it up. Yes, nurse number two, played by Sharon Mitchell. Who was an '80s porn star? There, there's a lot of who has turned anti-porn activist. There's a lot of porn stars in this film because yeah. of the budget they they had. They had to cast low. I feel like you don't. I don't have to take my clothes off. Cool, I'll be in it. Your clothes off. <laughs> you and I don't. Have when, to get when, when the, with the nurse scene, I was like, "Is that a staple for serial killers? Is you got to get at least one nurse?" <laughs> yeah, it seems to be pretty common. And then, uh, oh man, I, I I think the the biggest thing for this movie. To me, I don't think it would have worked without Tom Savini. Right. Say what you will. No, because the, but I'm like, and, and I yeah. even asked, I said, what, you know, I was like, what year was Maniac? 80. 
So right before this was Friday the 13th, same year. And Um, the burning followed. I'm like, so this is a back to back. And I'm like, I think his effects sealed. Like, to be honest, even Friday the 13th, I think his effects sealed some of these movies. I think without Tom Savini, these movies wouldn't have been anything. And you do the, you, he does masterfully, you know, because he helps, you know, he helps set up those scenes masterfully, the cutaway. You, we see the knife. We do the cutaway to the facial expression. Do we do the cut back and the knife is piercing through the skin? We go right. from the real body to the to the face shot to the fake body. I mean, but it, even though we know that, it looks amazing. Still looks amazing. Which which something I, I picked up on that I I actually when I rewatch it, I'll look for it. The headless corpse at the end is is Mrs. Voorhees' body. Yep. Ah. It's it's the Pam Voorhees dummy. Yeah, I, I I will definitely look for that the next viewing. Oh man, the Carrie ending. Wait, wait, wait. Before we get there, <laughs> okay. Savini. Uh, that was my. That's the highlight of the movie. Oh, I, okay. love, go ahead, go I love that Savini's acting in this movie matches the stories that I've heard about Savini as a person. <laughs> very, ra- very yeah, rapey. Uses scummy, his mustache to get women. You know, once, you know. Oh, you've got a boyfriend. I'm not taking you and home. I, what was this character? Disco boy. <laughs> yeah. She was disco girl. Yeah, yeah. he's disco boy. Uh, so yeah, good scummy Savini in this one, but uh, yeah, the special effects are great. Which uh, so yeah, so we we will go to the end. Oh, here. but if you want to talk about the head getting, blown, oh my god, that is which, so good. Same similar props used from uh, Dawn of the Dead, yes. the, the exploding heads that he's. he's yeah, I think before. he had to retire it after this. He one. did. He did retire it after this one. I think he sank it in the East River. And and I read too that he he's the one that pulled the trigger. This this was also filmed guerrilla style, which I think helped the movie. Right. So when they, they should they permits. did the shot. They had to pack the fuck up and get out before the police came. So they like blew up a head with a shotgun and then jumped in the car and so, drove off. So to do that, Savini pulled the trigger. And so which would be bizarre that you're pulling the trigger on your own. Head. On your on you. <laughs> yeah. I do it all the time. Oh man. <laughs> but just the I mean, that image of this man running up with a double barrel shotgun, jumping on the hood of your car, kneeling down, taking aim. What do you do? You're done. At yeah. that point, you're done. Game over. By the time I'm like, what does this man have? Oh, no. <laughs> no, seriously. By the time you realize what's happening, you're done. And I thought that was very effective. I love that. But yes, the Carrie style ending. So we move to the end. Uh, or not even uh, the ending, but uh, the graveyard scene. You yeah, know another reason that draws this close to me, also for Psycho or Friday. Um, he's at his mother's grave. He's very emotional. Right. And then, lo and behold, mother comes from the grave right. to grab him. You know, when that and that boy, that effect, that that thing that comes out of the grave looks so good. It's so good, man. So good. Uh, one of the things I really enjoyed about this film is we finally get a reason why Frank is so messed up, but they never beat you over the head with it. Yeah. At no point in this film do they try to fix him. At no point in this film do they explain him. They just give you this is what happened. Mm-hmm. It's not like oh, we my life, his life would have been different, or oh, he's out for revenge because of. This is why Frank. Is. This is who he is, and that's it. Yep. And that is so well done in this film. Sure. My only other odd note for this movie is, uh, as '80s, every '80s movie, no matter what, had the end title. And it's usually Pet Cemetery. Pet Cemetery. That was the song. Um, but Michael Cimbello had recorded Maniac for this movie, different version, a little bit. They didn't use the title track. The producers of Flashdance are like, hey, let's make that a little disco track. Yeah, and it's the number one song now. So, yeah, so Maniac that we all know, that came from this movie. That's crazy. And I think that lyrics were probably the same, was he's a maniac. Maniac for sure. 
Mm -hmm. I don't know where it went from there. I've never heard. Girl on a Saturday night. I'm sure that was the changes, (laughs) but yeah. And so let's close out with the end in the and hit back in his apartment. The mannequins. I thought that was dope, man. It really. The mannequins come to life as his prior victims. I haven't seen a better mannequin film since Mannequin One or Two. (laughs) (laughs) They come to life to kill him. And it's, you know, it's like his past victims coming back to kill him. And, and you know, the cops come and it, it it's apparent that he has killed himself. It's his psychosis that made him think it was his mannequins. But then, did he die? Did he? Opens a mind, son. There, there, is a, uh, there is a short film that we found, I guess, because... Chad had told me there's a sequel, and I was like, I don't remember a sequel. There's a, yeah, there's a short film. You can look it up. It's called Maniac 2. Oh, what was his name? I Miss, Mr. Roby? Yeah. Mm. Maniac 2, <laughs> Mr. Roby, and uh, he plays Mr. Roby. Okay. Apparently, supposedly, the same person going by a different name, and it's a short film. So you guys hop online and check cool. it out and let us know what you think. Any last thoughts on Mannequin? Or- watch it. <laughs> yeah, watch I love it. Mannequin. Watch <laughs> it. Watch <laughs> it. <laughs> All right. Cool. Watch Mannequin 2, too. Moving on to the final film, The Blob. 1958, directed by Irvin S. Yeaworth Jr. and Russell S. Doughton Jr. People were real into titles back in the 50s. Uh, written by Theodore Simonson and Kate Phillips, starring um, Earl Rao, Olin Howland, Annetta Corsalt. Corsalt? Sorry. Corsalt? Yeah, Corsalt. It's... She is the reason we had the trade embargo in Star Wars. <laughs> and then, uh, uh, of course, uh, Steve McQueen. You want me to give the synopsis? Yeah, man. So Steve McQueen is diddling chicks at a local spot, like he always does. And we see something fall out of the sky that they think is a shooting star. Makes a wish on it and finds out, watches it crash to Earth. Um, Steve McQueen goes to find said thing. But before he can find it, the old man finds it, mm-hmm. and we find out that it's a, a, a being, an extraterrestrial, alien-like we, glob. We find out that it's meteor shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, movie, man. No, but, uh, and then that we, um, a group of teenagers, you know, we, uh, they take him to safety, and they take him to safety, they take him to a doctor, and while he's at the doctor, we see that he this blob type substance is starting to engulf people and devour them. And it's getting bigger and it's starting to move around, man, and eat things. Yeah. Initial thoughts. Anyone? It's a blob movie. It's the blob movie. <laughs> it's the first blob I movie. I think the blob from, I, I think I stumbled upon it more as an adult where I watched the remake more as a kid. Yeah. Oh, um, sure. So usually it's the other way around. Um, which, I mean, we're not talking about the remake. But, uh, <laughs> Jesus, I'm dead. <laughs> the, the wailing. Uh, yeah, for... Uh, I like both. I think both are great films. The Again, I watched the remake way more. Yeah. Uh, the original... I, I like old movies anyways. The original's so good. And I also like watching Steve McQueen. I've never seen the remake. You've never seen Chuck Russell's Chain. The Blobs? I've never seen it. Blasphemy. I've never seen it. That's all right, Vinny. I I got a couple days off coming up. (laughs) I watched the first 10 minutes of it. Couldn't get past Old Boy's mullet. He's hating on. I'll watch it. I'll watch it. Kevin You're talking about Johnny Chase? You couldn't get past Johnny Chase's mullet? mullet. I'll watch it. Now, I have. This is probably the second or third time I've seen the original. I think think the only odd. 
every time I watch it, the only odd part to me is the damn Blob song. The theme song. Which, which is Burt Bacharach. Did you guys know that? Yeah. Burt Bacharach, and he's yes. the one performing in it. <laughs> um, that's the only um, oddball is it's a it's like Beach Blanket Bingo. Yeah. But um, the movie itself I thought was really cool. Um, I didn't notice until this time that when the Blob starts, it's clear. And as it eats people, it gets redder. Mm. It gets a darker hue. Interesting. I like all the 30-year-old teenagers. That's my favorite. Steve McQueen was 27 in this movie, man. Yeah. Right. (laughs) And what's funny is his acting, uh, not nearly on par with like Great Escape and Magnificent Seven. Steve McQueen. Being honest? Yeah. Steve McQueen wasn't a great actor. Uh, Obviously, you've never seen The Great Escape. No, dude. I have seen The Great Escape a lot. Stephen Steve McQueen played Steve McQueen. That's, he just got better. Fair. He that's, just got better at being Steve that's McQueen. That's fair. Like a Kevin Costner. Yeah, yeah. Or, he really uh, is. He does it. If, if, we're, if we're being honest, any great actor is that. Yeah. Like yeah. Jack I mean, Nicholson is Jack Nicholson in every movie. Yeah. Right. And that's the thing. Like Steve McQueen, I just don't think had a strong foothold. I mean, mm-hmm. he's already done movie. I mean, he just didn't have that strong foothold yet. Yeah. In being who he is. You're right, man. By the time he gets around to Great Escape, he's amazing. Yeah, which wasn't much much after this. Right. Uh, I think it had decent effects. Yeah, for a film of oh, this yeah. for '58, for a movie about Jello. Effects. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I like the shitty old man in the movie theater who kept yelling at him to be quiet. <laughs> that old man was about to throw hands. <laughs> that old man is damn me. Teenagers. <laughs> yeah. That old man is me now at the movies. And... Put your fucking cell phone away. <laughs> And I like the iconic blob coming through the vent. In yes. The oh, so well, good. as we we're sitting there watching, I was like. This chick that Steve McQueen is making out with looks familiar. It's Helen Crump from yeah. uh, Andy Griffith's show. <laughs> That's right. all my notes. Oh, uh, right This on. is my first time seeing it in its entirety. I know I've seen parts of it. Right on. Uh, I enjoyed it. I thought it was fun. I, I'm glad it has a part of movie history. You can see why it's a staple. You can see For why sure. it's a, it has the legacy. Well, and I, I think I think you have and to it's think, criterion. I think it's you have to think about fashion. audiences when when movies come out. So, uh, like like. We just had this argument. Uh, I, I did a list, and I put Jurassic Park as my favorite horror movie that year. Mm-hmm. I'm like, it's killer fucking dinosaurs. And yeah. I don't remember people laughing it up. They were scared in the theater. Yes, yes. The Blob in 58, this is something kind of new. Um, I think the sci-fi angle in the 50s was like starting to take off. Um, I think people were... That was Atomic Age cinema. Yeah, yeah. Atomic Age, Aliens. And this um, is one that's, I mean... And, and, Compared to other sci-fi films, it's not hokey. And, and you, they, they, they even did the outbreak thing where the theater, you know, it's us watching a movie harmlessly and, and we're going to die because we just watched this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I think for the time, like, this is probably actually scary. But again, I think the remake did well with channeling it as well, but I don't really feel like it was hokey or anything. I thought, like, no, it, no. The, I, the, I the fact that basically we're watching Killing Killer Jello from Outer Space... This is a damn good movie. I like movies from this era, and I like creature features. Oh, yeah. This absolutely fits into that genre for me. Yeah. And, I mean, you're right, like, and isolated. Like, they, who are they going to call? Who knows how to handle this? Well, Who's what can you do them? to this thing? My favorite is that... Nobody even believes them, to be honest. Like, like, they're trying to tell people what they saw. Right. And they think it's the teens playing a prank. Right. Which... They th- in the beginning, they throw acid on it, and it doesn't hurt it. So then what's the next logical step? Ooh, a bullet will kill it. <laughs> Let's shoot it. Your acid bullet, don't work. Your bullets are powerless. <laughs> it says that the blob... So what it's been stated is the blob is a commentary on communism. 
It's, mm. it's red. It's overtaking America. It's here to devour us. It's it's been said in documentaries. It's been said in commentaries. Um, the filmmakers didn't necessarily agree with it, but oh, it's 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 I one mean, of those. Yeah, it's one it's of those the height of McCarthyism, right? So that's it's their way to speak out against things. I think the I didn't know. I don't as a child, you don't know any of that. I like the Blob. I thought the effects in the Blob for fifty eight were amazing. Like really, and the thing that I thought was most, you can go to Blob Fest every year in Pennsylvania. I have that in my notes. Oh, do you? Every year they show the Blob. They have a weekend festival and they have the original Blob. And you get Still. to you get to run out of the theater as part of it. Nice. Right. And the theater. And the theater is there from the from the actual town. I thought that was neat. Um, for us to still be talking about it, 58, so what are we talking, 60 years later? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, it, it really does have something. Sure. And I enjoy it. I do enjoy Chuck. I, don't get me wrong. I've said this when we did that. I love Chuck Russell's The Blob. Oh, I love I love Chuck Russell's The Blob. But we couldn't get there if we didn't start here. Right. Sure. And I that's that's my thing about it. I, everything about it from the from the diner scene to the impending doom. Because it, it didn't take as much to scare back then. You know, like we talk about, and I think the best analogy I've heard, like me and Bones were talking the other day, and it's the, uh, the, the Linda Florentino, um, analogy from Dogma, you know, about the glass, you know, it's like, as you get older, the glass gets bigger. It takes more water to fill the glass. Well, that's how we we are with horror back then, you know, like every, as we progress, it takes more and more to get us there. And at the time, this was just, it was there. I could see why people were frightened of this. It's impending doom that you can't get away with, mixed with social commentary about what's going on at the time. It's amazing, man. I yeah, like man. it. I, cool. I just, I had a couple other notes. So the, the movie playing in the theater is Dementia. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, the voiceover narration was added in. The voiceover is Ed McMahon. Oh, really? Which I thought was funny. And, um, if you're not aware, obviously we all know about the remake, but it also spawned a sequel, Beware the Blob, that was directed by Larry Hagman. It's like one of the worst movies I've ever seen, yeah, to be yeah, honest. That but, Larry Hagman. Yeah, from Dallas. Um, and then on like I, I can't ever hate on this movie because the blob remake is one of my favorite horror movies. It's a great movie. Hands down. It's one of the best remakes. And we were talking and we've we've done a few films like this from this period, you know, and I like the old school way of doing things, man. That you knock the credits out in the beginning, because when this movie ends, it just ends. Yeah, and that's so great. Like they drop. Spoiler did alert! It, if you haven't end? seen it, Question but that's mark. yeah, that's what I'm saying. Spoiler alert! If you haven't seen it, they they uh, contain the blob and then they drop it in the Arctic to keep it frozen. I feel like, the and cr- then it says the end. I, I feel like uh, the the, <laughs> the critters might have sent the blob, and now it's getting ready to face off with the thing. Good call. Good call. Got a lot of stuff going on there. But uh, my last thing, it literally, check it out, guys. I mean, sure. Or yeah. maybe there's, maybe the blob is just xenomorph shit. <laughs> Meteor shit. <laughs> All right. Uh, any last thoughts on the blob? Watch it. Watch just, it. Yeah, it's good. It's I mean, good if you're, You have to watch this movie whether you like it or not. It's, it's a staple. Yeah, a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Cool. Well, this has been quite the eclectic mash, and that's why we do the mash. So we can cover things that would normally get covered and we can make it as eclectic and wild as we want to. And we have certainly covered four very different films. Next time I'm picking Meet Joe Black. I'm just letting you guys in on that now. There you go. There you go. Don't have anything to say to that. Spell (laughs) M-E-A-T. Meet (laughs) Joe Black. I have that movie. There you go. (laughs) Well, closing out for the uh, 
Midwest Wandering monsters. Midwest Monsters here. I am one of your hosts, Grizzly Admiral. I'm joined by Pat Chan, Venomous Vinny, and Hot Toddy. Stay scary.